Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Trillionaire, the ugliest podcast in the verse with the biggest, most beautifulest of ideas. Back at it again after a week of uh, inactivity. Sorry about that. Uh, I was very busy. Kind of got here um, late, so I wasn't able to do my podcast. But we're back, and lot to talk about, of course, as usual, all the time. Yeah. Um, what did I want to talk about? <laughs> uh, I want to talk about oh, which one? Which one? Okay. Um, one thing that's really been on my mind is real estate and the use of buildings. Um, but man, just recently I <laughs> I know <laughs> I'm all over the place. Just recently I um, joined the 21 Day Challenge uh, of an app called Career Karma. Um, which they help people learn coding and to you know get get matched with a boot camp and which will match you and it will show, you know get you along the point to becoming a good software engineer or something related uh I've been through that process in a in a roundabout in a not really roundabout but in a hackneyed sort of way um I've been through a code camp learning Ruby on rails and all that and it just didn't work out for me very well mostly because one I don't I didn't enjoy coding and two um, the program itself I, I think was not as good as it could have been um, I feel like it was a little bit too short it was only like what 12 weeks and then um, in retrospect I just don't think that is a big enough time to really great get a good great foundation you know in this field and um, a lot of these top schools, they, they, the top boot camps that they're matching you with are much longer than that. Um, I think their shortest is like uh, five months, um, which is pretty good because I think that's de- definitely necessary. A lot of them are about five months to a year, and I think that is great for, for not only learning the foundation of software engineering, but also gaining a good enough network and a good enough connection with your peers so that you can go beyond from there. So, um, <clears throat> and all of that got me thinking about, you know, what we need to be doing as a society to create um, a better system for ourselves, for our youth, for um, the future, for everything, really. Uh, I, I kind of talked to this, uh, talked about this uh, before in regards to the uh, idea about turning campuses into I think the episode was turn, turning coursework into uh, or kicking the coursework and something like that. Um, I was talking about how we should be turning campuses into like little boot camps into little um, innovation centers or, or little like Silicon Valley and stuff like that where people can come together um, and just create cool things you know um, and I kind of want to build that on that idea. Don't worry, it's still going to be <laughs> different than that episode. It's still going to be related to what I wanted to talk about today before I got into this whole 21 day challenge. Um, but I think it's a good tie-in, very relevant. So uh, the main thing I did want to talk about was uh, the, uh, the problem with real estate now and that there is a very big problem happening with uh, particularly with, with retail spaces um, in which a lot of storefronts, a lot of big box buildings, I mean, uh, big box, you know, stores and all that stuff are closing down and are just not seeing as much business as they, 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 they did before. 
and it's not as it is a huge problem but a lot of people are seeing it as an apocalypse when it's more of a slow burn it's more of an inevitable death as a, a, a um a winding down and the problem is that is is not that it's impossible to solve the problem is that people aren't looking at it looking at the correct problem you know they're viewing it as an apocalypse with robots taking over and people going people wanting to do online stores and people wanting to you know be on their phones all the time so nobody wants to go out and you know this thing from from a kind of um, backwards standpoint they're looking at the the symptoms and thinking that's that's the problem but the problem with retail is largely um, not necessarily to do with people you know only want to do online stores because in America um, where the problem is is the worst uh, <laughs> in most of the developed world the problem stems um, I mean ah, back back up a second so people think that being on their phone and you know people wanting to buy things online through Amazon stuff like that is a big is the biggest uh, factor of this but it's not because in America um, people I think I forget the exact statistics, but we are one of the lowest um, uses of you know online stores. Like buying online is is probably like the lowest in America um, than it is in most other countries in the world, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> so it just goes to show that that uh, the online you know uh, thing, the zeitgeist of you know buying things online, is just is not the main cause. At least, it's definitely not in America, because you know, if most people, if you look around, most people are like, oh yeah, sure, I might buy something from Amazon, but they might not. Most people don't like to get their clothes, their shoes, their food, all this stuff online. And um, but at the same time, those those retail stores are what's going out of business. You know, those those uh, big box uh, clothing stores, those uh, those food food places like restaurants are one of the hardest places hardest business to own because you know people are so fickle uh, about restaurants and stuff like that and it just proves that you know the online thing the on-demand thing is not as big of a cause the main factor in my opinion and based on you know evidence um, when you look out in the world is how should I put this game? <laughs> I, I I thought about this before. It's not just straight up the door. I thought about this before, but it's been a minute since I looked at my notes or whatever. Since I looked at the data, because um, I wanted to do this podcast last week, uh, so let me remember what I was gonna say. <laughs> you know what? I forgot what I was gonna say, but it's okay. Um, that's why this podcast is the ugliest podcast in the verse, unscripted. You know, just off the top most of the time. Um, so I'm gonna work through it. Because I know the problem. I think we all know the problem, but we, we just often don't think about it in those terms. So let's work through it together, right? Um, so basically, we know that buying online is not necessarily the biggest factor in these retail, retail businesses going out of uh, business. Uh, that's because in America, it, I mean, America itself is one of the lowest um, uses of online business, like uh, we buy things online at a much lower rate. Uh, we buy much less stuff online, and uh, we we have much less trust of of online uh, ordering than most other countries, especially you know, like in in Asia and even in Europe. Um, 
it's due to a number of factors. Uh, one major thing is that we just are in the <laughs> in the um, kind of culture of, of going to places, seeing it with our eyes and, and seeing the type of product we want and getting it there. We don't often trust where things are coming from because most of our stuff comes from China. So it's a whole big, you know, oh, this is this is cheap. This is based on slave labor or this is, you know, shipped all, uh, from overseas or, you know, all number of reasons why we don't really trust things coming from um, overseas. Even though most of our products do, most of us, you know, <laughs> enjoy these products, uh, we still have that mindset. And another um, issue is that a lot of people just don't trust, you know, putting their credit cards online or, or still like to use cash or, um, have a whole bunch of security <laughs> issues that we've seen in the in the in the news. You know, all these companies being hacked, freaking Target being hacked. Um, I know they're a retail store, but you know, just for example, um, we envision we see something like Target being hacked. We see freaking credit agencies. What, what was it the last time? Um, Equinox or I got dang, I forgot the dang name. But you know, one of the three major uh, credit agencies were hacked. And a bunch of information was leaked out, <laughs> and now we're we're expected to trust you know these these places that keep our our credit information safe. So, of course, that is a major factor of why we don't trust uh, why we don't buy things online. But another thing um, for that is because even though America is one of the most um, um, what's the uh, consumer centric you know consumerist nations. Like we buy things a lot, and we like to go there. We like to see the things. We like to um, return the things. We, we like to do all sorts of the, these things. Um, but there's also, even though we do like to buy things a lot, um, we we are slowly becoming more more. We're slowly realizing the the faults of buying too many things. <laughs> so in the last decade or so, um, we've kind of slowly been ramping down on that overconsumption and that is one of the major issues right there not that we're buying things more online or anything like that is that there is an over there was an overconsumption um, of consumer there was an overuse of consumers behavior in the 80s and the 90s um, even the early 2000s there was an over consumption we use way too, we, we consumed way too much we bought way too many things we were way too um, interested in going to these different stores and buying this that and the other that was our entire culture you know like this thing uh, you're unhappy you you feel fat you feel you know (laughs) ugly or whatever this thing will help you buy this thing (laughs) that has been our whole culture for years for decades decades for a whole generation if not if not even before if not two generations maybe even since the freaking world war ii ended that has been our major culture and because of that um, during the 70s 80s 90s especially during the 90s and early 2000s there's been um, a huge amount of retail stores created to feed that overconsumption to feed that consumers behavior so I think again I'm not not remembering the stats correctly you probably look it up yourself but I think there's like 18 for every one retail store in America compared to other countries. So other countries have like four retail stores, um, four or five retail stores per person or per, I don't know, city block or whatever, I don't know. 
Um, but in America, it's like 18 to 20 <laughs> per city block or, or something like that. Or, um, so there's an overabundance of, of consumerist uh, retail in America. And as we're realizing the, the, the faults of um, that, that dependency, you know, that, that is playing out in all these retail stores having to close down. Because we're realizing, hey, we don't need <laughs> this or that and the other thing. This is not going to make us feel better. This is not going to make us happy. This is not going to, not going to, you know, make us fit or, or more feel more beautiful or this, that, and the other. You know, we can't gain our self value from our products. We're realizing this more and more. And so, instead of you know the Sears and the Targets and the um, freaking Old Navy, whatever, um, kind of kind of defining who we are. We're, we're learning to get more of that definition from our mental status, from our mentality. That's why these freaking meditation apps are getting so big. Like Calm.com and, and uh, freaking uh, Mind Valley and all this stuff. This, that that self-care is getting bigger and bigger. Even um, veganism is getting bigger and bigger because we're getting a better idea of how to be more health, how, how to be more healthy in mind, body, and spirit. Um, at least that is the hope. <laughs> Granted, there's still a lot of, you know, consumerist, uh, uh, solve my, my problem quickly type of thing mentality, but, you know, it's, it's there. The process is there. And so, um, all that to say, all that to say, the problem, since the problem is overconsumption, and since the retail stores that are closing down are the ones that have been um, an effect of this. That means the solution is is a re uh, a re uh, what's it renewal kind of words uh, basically like a resolution a revolution of our of what we need want want to see in a, in a retail store you know uh, redefinition of what a retail store is of what a retail location is of why we go out and um, buy something, or why we go out and experience something. I think part of that comes, it will be um, experience centers and um, entertainment centers. We've seen a, a large proliferation in entertainment centers in the last couple of years, in the last decade or so, um, such as, you know, uh, tr trampoline parks, like jump parks and stuff like that, um, freaking ninja course things and uh, gyms and uh, even where I'm working now, virtual reality arcades. We've seen these uh, pop up more and more and more because people are realizing that they'd rather have an experience than a product. They'd rather go experience something that will last them a long time, that will give them lasting memories, than a fleeting product that they'll buy and throw away one day. And that is a pretty important aspect and something I think we need to build upon. Um, but also, I think it is important to make sure we don't over-index into the experience center as well. We don't want 85 arcades <laughs> in one city, you know, um, just so people can experience gaming, you know, all the time. I love this freaking arcade setting. I love that we can offer people access to high-end gaming and high-end virtual reality where they wouldn't be able to do that at home. But we do not need to over-index into this. And that... 
brings me to the solution that I have today, <laughs> finally, right? Um, is to have places like cold boot camps, like um, the camp, like the uh, innovation centers I talked about in that last episode. Have more places that enable people to come together and learn something and do something different and build something creative, you know, something along those lines. It doesn't even have to be like an exact school, right? It could be like a little retail spot where just a few people can come in from that community and just just vibe to, together, right? To have a, a cool, cool creative process of a, of a story they want to write or some music they want to create or a game they want to create or, you know, any number of things. They can come together in this previous retail spot and make use of resources to create something cool. Imagine if your town, instead of having freaking three Walmarts and, <laughs> and a million, you know, um, I don't know, cell phone re- repair spots and little, little, little um, clothes, decors, and all this other stuff, what if they had, you know, at least a dozen little meetup spots where you can meet people like you, where you can meet people who want to do something that you want to do, where you can meet people who want to team up together to create something cool. Where you can um, game together, where you can uh, write together, where you can code together. Imagine having that in every single city. That will be huge um, bolstering of, of, of our culture. That will be a huge impact on the type of positive things we can create in the world. Because now our culture will shift from not just being consumers, but to being creators, to being collaborators. And I think that is powerful, man. I think that is incredibly powerful. I definitely want to talk more about this, but unfortunately, I gotta get to moving, get to working. Um, I might pause this here. I'm not sure if I even. I might. Yeah, I'll just. I'll just go ahead and publish this and work on and just do a part two episode uh, tomorrow. Um, but yeah, I want to. I want to definitely talk more into this idea of exactly the type of retail spots. We have what, what they will look like, what the monetary, uh, what the business models would be so that th- those places can stay in business. And, um, yeah, just other things to talk about in that regard. So thank you again for listening. Bye-bye. Never mind. Um, I forgot to publish, <laughs> to hit publish on the dang podcast yesterday. So I'm just going to continue what I had uh, anyways. All right. So this is going to be a long episode, um, but it's fine. It's connected anyways. So what I want to talk about um, in regards to the solutions for uh, a creative-based retail system. Um, I think yesterday I was talking about uh, that I would mention the business model, potential business model that these type of um, businesses can have um, and what they would look like, right? So right now when you go around town, if you like look around your, your city, you will most likely see a bunch of retail spots that are either empty, <laughs> um, that are the same, that are like just just a bunch of the same type of thing, like a bunch of fast food spots or a bunch of little stores or something like that. Or you would even see like a bunch of kind of like random, you know, mom and pop shops, which, are, which is fine. It's fine. I'm just saying that sometimes, you know, they're kind of weird um, things that are extremely niche that you might never go to. Um, and they just, you know, are still in business because there's a few, they, they, they're in their niche. You know, there's a few 
um, loyal customers. Um, but unfortunately, as you know, time goes on. If if the economy um, gets gets any gets worse, as people are suggesting that you know this this huge high is going to come down crashing, those types of businesses unfortunately are oftentimes the first to go because those small niches, the small little uh, lower customers, you know, they, they come across hard times or the, or the store owners themselves come across hard times and they just can't make enough. So the solution I have, I think, can also apply to them, to those small niche mom and pop shops, um, right? Because the, what people don't realize or what people are starting to realize more and more is that people enjoy to learn, right? Um, consumerism culture is not unsustainable because y y you eventually realize that, you know, you can't gain happiness from, from buying things. People realize that no matter mo how much stuff you have, it doesn't, doesn't fill the hole in your heart. <laughs> um, and so a lot of people nowadays are going, are doing more to you know teach themselves new skills they're doing more to to take online classes to um find to go to meetups to find people who they find interesting that can help them to find mentors to apprenticeships to learn coding to learn you know just all sorts of new things that they will um help them one be more relevant in the job market as well as two find more fulfilling jobs find more fulfilling work and that is an incredibly important point to mention because as we look around at all these consumerist-based retail spots, we realize that even the, cons even the consumerism, even, the, uh, even these retail spots can be restructured without having to be torn down and, and completely you know, um, rebuilt. Um, like take, take a, a clothing shop, right? We have like a million of these, these clothing, these little, uh, what's the word for it? Um, forget the word, but you know, a million of, the, of these small clothing stores, um, it's kind of like a mom and pop shop uh, where, you know, one person might might have like a cool sense of fashion, so they built a little, you know, storefront for themselves in this area, or it might be just a chain of, um, of a, you know, up, up and coming franchise uh, based uh, clothing store or, you know, any number of these things. Um, but because, you know, stuff like Amazon, there's stuff like Fashion Nova and stuff like that where you can buy things online. But also because um, it's just hard to find those types of little stores, people aren't going to them as much. People aren't going to them very much because, uh, you know, people are saying, oh, they might still be consumer-based um, in terms of buying new clothes, but they might not be as much as they were before in like the 90s or whatever where people buy new clothes all the time. Um, so if you turn that clothing store, or if you if you add to that clothing store a a um, a little school, a little a little meetup group where people come in regularly and learn, you know how to how to um, design clothes, how to design different outfits, how to how to learn uh, what's the word textile basically, you know how to sew and all this stuff. That is a skill based um, market you're tapping into then. That will, that will market to that will. Uh, words, guys. <laughs> that will um, be attractive to far more people, right? 
You're not just attracting people who just want to buy new clothes. You're attracting people who want to learn a new skill. And that is incredibly valuable. And doesn't have, it doesn't even have to be limited to just, you know, fashion design. It can also be limited. I mean, it could also include, you know, how to be fashionable, how to dress for success, how to, you know, be a man or a woman who, who, who takes their, um, their current wardrobe and just looks good wearing it, right? How to tailor your clothes, how to find, you know, matching clothes, how to, um, and of course, going back to what I said before, how to, how to, um, design your own clothes, how to use different tools in the market and all this stuff. All these different things are, are huge um, markets in, the, in and of themselves, are huge in the online world and would be even more beneficial if they were uh, physical, if they were retail or rather if there were uh, um, physical locations that people can go to to learn, um, on, to learn that those, those types of trades on hand. And uh, I think that can... And, that could spread to just about any type of field or industry. Um, like if you see like those those tech uh, re- repair shops where they fix your phone or whatever, those can also be places where you learn how to uh, mess with hardware, how you learn how to use breadboards or um, how to fix your own phone or any of these other things. Even though it might seem counterintuitive to say, hey, when I, once I go out of business, if I teach everybody how to fix their phones, no, because most people don't want to fix their phones. That's why they're going to you. <laughs> they can also, you know, just as easily look online how to fix their phones, but they don't want to. They want someone else to do it. But if you also, you know, say, hey, I'm teaching people how to fix their phones, you are also um, reaching out to a separate audience, to a different audience, the type of people who would not go to you because they can fix their phone. Or who, because they would want to learn how to fix their phone, they wouldn't usually go to you. But now you're saying, hey, I have a, a workshop where I'm teaching you how to do it. So now you're introducing them in anyways. You're bringing those people in anyways that you wouldn't usually bring in. And from there, you can find new talent. You can make new friends. You can um, turn that to a, uh, an event where people will not only fix their phones, but maybe build new phones. Maybe build new devices. Maybe build freaking robots and get into drones and you know, from there you can hop into any of these other markets that are related, but were uh, previously limited to you because of your small scope. Um, and it doesn't have to be like a, 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 an increase to your overhead either. You can just have these people come in during your during your uh, um, your slow hours, during the times when you know you're slow. You know, uh, people aren't really coming in, and so you need to do something different. These types of groups will be really powerful. And kind of accelerating your growth and accelerating um, your 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 marketing really. So uh, that's just different ways you can you can augment and the retail spots already there. And I think this also applies to big box stores too, because um, places like freaking Target and Sears are going out of business, or Sears is already out of business, <laughs> um, like completely got liquidated everything. Um, but more and more of these big box stores are going out of business. Because people aren't looking to, you know, buy a bunch of things all the time anymore. And so these shops, these these big stores also need to turn into teaching centers, into innovation centers um, like Walmart. They're actually very um, big with innovation centers. They actually fund several other innovation centers, maybe not in the Walmart itself, but like, you know, they fund um, uh, different school research groups and stuff like that. And I think they have a re- couple 
I'm not sure whether the last innovation center they built, but I've heard about it in the podcast. It's pretty cool. They have a huge tech team, and they're building. They they're hiring thousands and thousands of um, software engineers to build you know better apps to build. Um, oh shoot! One second. All right. So at uh, places like Walmart, they can freaking have uh, little little workshops where they might teach you know woodworking, where they might teach uh, freaking gardening, where they might teach. Um, photography, you know, all these little sections of the store they have, they can have little mini workshops where they can teach different people different skills. And so they always have people coming in and out of Walmart, not just to buy things, but to learn things. And then from there, they can maybe pull them, um, they can get their talent from there as well. Um, granted, Walmart itself is kind of notorious for not really paying uh, regular workers very well, so I'm not sure how much they pay their tech workers. Um, but nonetheless, you know, their idea is there. Uh, for and that can apply to you know better or other big box stores I think very well as well um, such as you know Sam's Costco and all these other places um, Barnes and Nobles uh, could freaking teach teach more uh, how to write if would they have you know more writer writer workshops at different Barnes and Nobles you know that'd be pretty cool um, you can have you know reading circles and everything like that this is so much you know group based things that you can do that will draw people in um, that, that aren't just pure consumerism. And I think people need to kind of lean more into this idea, this mentality, because that is where um, people are going. That is where the market is going. Um, and it's going to be even more important when the economy inevitably, inevitably does crash, because at that point in time, people are really going to want to skill up. And so if you're already offering these different ways to skill up, then you already have you're already going to be known as a place for people to go to learn new things. Um, and so if we're back to the, uh, the idea of new retail spots, of, of places built from the ground up um, for this new kind of um, idea of, of kind of experience and, and learning-based retail, I think it would be some, some good ideas that one could have. could be uh, the Innovation Center idea. Um, that's something I want to do. Like a lot. So for innovation center, you can all you can have either something limited to a specific field, or what I want to do is something just broad, just any and all cutting edge technology. You bring it there. That's where it's going to be. And for anywhere, any more, anyone in that community knows that that is the place to go to see what is happening, to see what is possible, to see the the new boundaries of human. Ingenuity. Um, I think that's an incredibly important aspect um, or incredibly important, you know, value set to have because most communities do not have any idea of what is possible nowadays. Most people even forget that freaking smartphones are smartphones, are smart computers. They're freaking supercomputers. <laughs> um, like the thing that that sent the Apollo uh, rockets to the moon. We're, we're, we're not as smart as these computers in our pockets that we use every single day. Most people don't realize the, the sheer amount of technology going into these smartphones, and people need that reminder. That's one of the reasons why I really love working at an arcade, because when people come here, they realize, whoa, this is, this is the future, you know? You put on the headset, and you're like, whoa, I'm in another place. You know, it's just a lot of people start asking all sorts of wonderful questions, like, how does this work? You know, how does this tracking my hands? How, is it, how am I here? You know, what's, what's happening? And that sort of curiosity um, 
allows them to to have to broaden their horizons to realize there's more opportunities more possibilities than they thought um, previously possible and that applies to all age groups that's the best thing about it all age groups are super interested in virtual reality and in new technology sure some um, older ones might be like oh this is not for me this is too much but a lot of them especially the ones that you can tell you know at least try to do new things they put it on they're like wow it blows their mind and you can see the difference between an older person or even any person who actually uses their brain on a regular basis versus versus not like uh, a person I would I would even bet there is a there's a tie in to people who who pick up on the technology um, and I bet it would tie into their neuroplasticity like you can probably measure how much neuroplasticity they have based on how um, how readily they take on the technology not necessarily how fast like it, they don't necessarily have to instantly get it but I mean they actually take the effort of understanding what's going on like they actually take the effort to read the different controls to, to move around to explore you know and rather than just sitting there asking oh what am I what am I doing how do they do this you know <laughs> most people I'm not even gonna say most people but you can I'm just saying that you can tell the difference between people who use their, their brains on a regular basis and those who kind of just sit there and be, be more passive and let life go by. And I want to kind of change that, 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 uh, that mentality. I want to encourage more and more people to learn more um, skills, to always be ready to change, to always be ready to you know explore more. Because it's so sad for me to be able to, to see these people come in and they either don't even want to try the technology. They don't even want to try to put it on the headset because they think it's too too hard for them. <laughs> or they don't even, like when they put it on the headset, they just sit there. They don't look around. They act like, you know, it's just a TV. You know, they don't even bother to look behind them. Like, can you imagine that? Like, you're in the 360 world. Like, you're in real life now. <laughs> and you don't even look behind you. I think that's a great metaphor to their, there might even be a great metaphor to their life. They just look in one direction, not looking around, not looking how to, how to, how to face different obstacles, not looking how to, you know, learn something new. Um, but anyways, <laughs> all that to say that I think it's incredibly important to have something like an innovation center in every single city, even in every town, in every small city, in every small town, um, because it encourages people to, to uh, not be complacent, encourages people to accept change and to see the opportunities a ahead of them. And as more pe and more people see these types of opportunities, then more and more people will work on them. More and more people will learn to code, will learn to create new hardware, will learn to do be designers, will learn to do all these different things that we need to push humanity forward. And of course, as more people are productive, then more profit comes in. Boom, it always comes back. Now I'm saying <laughs> this is why this is thoughts of a trillionaire. Because I really believe that in order for um, trillionaires to, to exist, in order for uh, maximum profit, then more and more people will have to be profitable. More and more people will have to succeed in their daily lives. I think that is that is extremely important. That's like crucial right there. For any sort of you know um, profitability for humanity, for any one person to be super, super successful, I really believe that more um, people need to be really successful as well.
if we keep on continuing with this mindset of, of just take, take, take and make me rich and everybody else gets poor, then there will be a ceiling, not just for the poor, but for the rich, too. So I don't know if there's any rich folk listening. <laughs> that's always like that's like my secret audience right there. But think about it. You know, if you want to be a billionaire, if you want to make more money so that your kids, your generations or whatever, um, or even if you want to live forever now with this new technology and you want to become richer and richer, if you really believe that, then it's also in your best interest to make sure more of humanity is also um, successful and rich. Why? Because that means more people will be able to buy your stuff. More people will be able to make you rich. If if over 50% of the population is, is poor, they don't have enough money to give you anything, then you aren't getting any money. There's no more cash flow. As, you know, as any wealth person would tell you, they make money based on cash flow. Based on how much money is moving. Whether they're trading stocks or... or um, or forex or whatever, when you make money on the on the on the move on the um, based on how much the market is moving, the same goes for any product or any other service. You make money when something when the when the market is moving, when there's changes happening, when there's more new stuff happening. Sure, you might also benefit from a very stable and very um, kind of uh, static currency because you're maybe you're number one like Apple or whatever, but at the same time. Apple, if Apple doesn't grow, then stakeholders get, you know, nervous because they won't see any more um, increases in their in their portfolios. And so they might abandon ship for for something else that's that's growing or they might just, you know, they probably won't abandon ship on Apple. Come on now. But they will, you know, um, put more of their of their uh, of their trading in other currencies and other companies that are growing more quickly. And so, yeah, it's all it's all always about cash flow. It's always about, you know, how much the market is moving. And that means uh, you have to be egoistically altruistic. Egoistic altruism is the the wave of the future. For more people to be super rich, you're going to have to have more regular people be pretty rich, pretty powerful as well, pretty successful as well. And that means... Less consumerist retail and more experience retail, more learning-based retail, more everyday locations where people are, are just able to gain new skills, able to meet new people, and just, you know, keep building. Whew. So, yeah, I want to see more of that. Bye-bye.